Welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Welcome to Family Financial Feuds, a podcast series that we've been doing now for about four and a half years. And I am with mixed emotions here today to tell you that this is our last plan podcast. Things have been changing in our lives, both individually and professionally at Illinois Extension. And so I've gathered together today our original podcast team. We were all Illinois Extension educators in consumer economics at the time. The name's already changed to financial education. But I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to come back, reflect on the value that we found in the podcast, as well as the pure enjoyment we had working with each other, and share a little bit about that with you today and kind of wrap up Family Financial Feuds. So I am joined by my two colleagues, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm sure you'll recognize their voices. Thank you very much, Kathy. Hi, everyone. I am Kamaya Walsh-Bichard. I was formerly a consumer economics educator, financial educator. I have changed roles in extension, and my job title now is Assistant Director for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access for the organization. And I have to say that just like Kathy, um, lots of mixed emotions today um, just to be on with both Kathy and Sasha knowing, you know, our journey with this podcast and the work and love and dedication that we have put into this for the last four and a half years. And so I am excited to be on and uh, I'm going to hand it over to Sasha. Thank you, Kamaya. So my name is Sasha Robinsitter, previously consumer financial educator for eight years, if you can believe it. And I've been gone for almost two now. I'm currently with eMoney Advisor. I am a personal financial planning financial planning education consultant, sorry. But what we do there is I get to do a lot of cool things, do lots of webinars and maybe a podcast coming up and just really excited to be on today. So I'll I'll let Kathy reintroduce herself as well. Yes. So um, my role has changed too. I am almost fully retired and thoroughly enjoying having time to explore other things that are important to me in my life beyond financial education. But I am still working a little bit for Illinois Extension on developing some online courses and working with our website. So some background support in financial education, which again, still having fun with it. So as long as I'm having fun, we're all good. So, you know, we come from a similar backgrounds, but we've all found things right now that are important to us to do that are, you know, gross out of our experiences as consumer economics educators. And when we look back, as Sasha said, she's been on to other things for two years. I've been in retirement for over a year. Kamaya moved on to her new position. Wow, wow, it's been in October. So yeah, around seven months now. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been a bit Mm -hmm. and, you know, great opportunities, new things to look forward to, but some things ended as well. And we all have talked about how we have mixed emotions about that. So Seisha has done a wonderful job of pulling up some research to help us kind of process that and think Mm -hmm. about it in our own lives. And we imagine that probably almost everybody listening to us today coming out of the pandemic and everything else that has brought change can probably relate to the mixed emotions that come with change and the endings of things. So Seisha, what do you want to share with us to start off with? Yeah. So I, as you know, the research lover reader inside of me, 
really wanted to bring some research to our last podcast. So I found these two articles that I want to bring to you. The first one is called Ending on a Familiar Note, Perceived Endings Motivate Repeat Consumption by Wynette and O'Brien. And this is from uh, 2022, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Attitudes and Social Cognition. Woo, lots of words there, y'all. But the couple things I wanted to point out from this was that when we are looking at endings, even perceived endings that are maybe temporary, people prefer the old and familiar more than they otherwise might, which I thought was really fascinating. They also found that when we have these endings, again, even when they're temporary, we are driven by our desire to avoid risk and end things on a safely known note, specifically a personally meaningful note, which familiar experiences typically promise a greater extent than novel experiences. So just letting you all know that we find happiness and and really enjoy knowing to go back to things that we know we really enjoy. So for example, I can give you one. We are currently moving. Uh, Surprise. I give lots of surprises on this podcast, Um, but we're moving. My family and I are moving from Illinois to Texas. And one of the few things we love is going to the beach. And I know that sounds crazy in Illinois, where the beach is in Illinois. Well, they're near the lake. And one of the things that we love to do is do that. So that's one of the things that we have been personally doing on a meaningful note is going to the beach. So there's that piece of it. I will wrap up this piece and then we can talk about it, I promise. But like I said, they even found, in fact, even the impermanent ones, we like to shift toward the familiar endings. You know, we, we always hear that thing about like YOLO and, you know, these bucket list things, but people really, really do shift toward those things that are well-established and things that they really enjoy. So we can talk about it. And that's the first article I wanted to bring up. I think that when you're talking about that, it made me realize that while there's many daily tasks that needed to be done as an educator in Illinois extension that I don't miss, and reports would be under that heading, I think. (laughs) But I've had the opportunity, people have been so sweet at the office that I used to work at to invite me back for the parties where we, you know, send people off for the next job opportunity or our educators, informal meetings at a local restaurant, that those things I don't want to miss, right? Because they're just so important to me. And it's like the the parts that I really enjoyed working with my colleagues and that part I do miss. So whatever I can do to keep those connections and go back and do them again, it's been really wonderful. I love that example as well too, Kathy, because I think about the office too that I used to work in before. And even though I'm still in Illinois Extension, having had the relationships I've had with colleagues, that has laid some groundwork for the connection that I currently feel, even though it was really hard to leave the unit that I serve. We've found ways to work together on like different projects and different ideas of things. But even though those that ending was hard, it set some foundation for the work that we are currently doing together. So I like that example that you shared. I was going to say, I just think it's good to keep in mind as we go through some of these sometimes challenging changes, you know, what are the good things we want to take Mm -hmm. forward with us? What do we want to keep experiencing as much as possible? And, you know, I'm not sure if this is where you were going to go, Seisha, but one of the articles that you sent us that we read really kind of made that point about, you know, being in the moment when you think that your time is scarce, when you're, you know, going to only be in this role, this geography, this stage of life for so long to, you know, try as much as possible to be there in the moment and experience those events fully. So I think that just really struck me as I was reading it to keep in mind. 
And you mentioned this earlier too, Kathy, this also tie your statement that you just made tie into the work that we've done around mindfulness and money. We've um, done a lot of research, including webinars, presentations at national conference, um, a podcast episode on this topic about how important it is to like stay in those moments. And even when things are changing to understand the value and the beauty of what you have experienced together as you move on to like change. And, you know, my kids will say change is hard and they don't want to do change. They don't want to make any changes, but um, we know that it's hard. But again, hanging on to like those positive aspects of that change. Back to you, Seisha, because I know I interrupted you for a moment. No, no, no. You're totally fine. I think you both brought up the fact of missing offices. But I think that for me, it was the opportunity to work with you guys even after leaving extension that was important to me. So, you know, we did the Life Transitions podcast. That was fun. We got to do a presentation at AFCBE last year about the podcast. And then we're doing this today. So thank you for just continuing to keep me around. So it's always wonderful. The other one is a little bit more emotional. I'm just going to be real honest because that's who I am inside. But um, the other article is about meaningful endings and mixed emotions called The Double-Edged Sword of Reminiscence on Good Times by Larson um, et al. 2021 from the American Psychological Association. And basically, the gist of this article, to digest it back to you, is that they really weren't sure how people felt when these uh, endings came. And it showed that we actually have a mix of pleasant and unpleasant emotions. So we have um, sad emotions and happy emotions. But a lot of the times we have a lot of mixed emotions about the event. The examples that they gave were like things like moving out or graduation day mostly because they represented those endings. But, you know, Kathy, like you said, in that article, there was actually a piece from this that I pulled out. It says, we speculate that scarcity of time helps explain why endings lead people to reminisce on good times. So I'd pull that piece out. But the feud I wanted to talk about just real quickly is, I think, to be mindful, and then we'll, we'll talk more about some other things. But when we have these endings and we try to go make the most of them, is just being mindful of how much we're spending but also to be in the present. So that's just my two cents of I've already experienced that. I've already overspent a little bit on some of these experiences, especially restaurants, going out to eat. We just love going out to eat around here and especially our favorite places. Well, I think it's an important one to bring up here since we are family financial feuds, but also because all these processes and changes, life just involves money, right? And I think one of the things that I have noticed moving into retirement is a couple of things related to endings. One is without knowing that there's going to be like pretty likely steady flow of income, of course, jobs can get lost and things like that. But it has shifted my perspective on thinking about spending and savings. Since I'm big on security, I don't have that feeling anymore of like, well, if we spend a little too much on a home improvement this year, then next year we could just save more, you know, like there'll be a balance, but I can't guarantee how much money might be coming in for how long since while my husband's not retired, you know, it's definitely something that we're looking at down the road. So there's like this now more of a fixed amount of time where there'll be a cash flow in and we'll be doing, you know, more pulling money out. And um, that's a very different mindset for me. So I really have had to be thinking about that and processing it. And I think the work that you two have done and dragged me along on with the mindfulness is really <laughs> helping me with that in terms of being more aware of how I'm feeling and trying to sort through what I need to worry about and what I don't need to worry about. I love both of your examples. I I think about mine right now with a big transition. My teen is graduated in less than two weeks. 
Stop, no. Wow. She is. Um, And so, you know, decision day for her college was a couple weeks ago now. And so we've been having some additional conversations about what college is going to look like for her in terms of budget, what things that we're helping with, things that she has to take lead on, things like that. But even that separately from what we're currently doing now, talk about being in the moment. It's a lot of planning around graduation celebrations things that we're doing for graduation, after graduation, including a trip. And some of this was planned for, but I have to take a step back because there are several things that I just don't want her to miss out on senior year experiences with that I didn't account for in the budget. And so looking at that, oh. looking at those expenses, so we have our spreadsheet and I keep adding things to it. I'm like, I don't need to not add anything else, but wanting to make sure that she has all those experiences during her senior year. So for me, it's paying attention to that right now and thinking through for my other two when they're in a similar place, like the things I need to think about ahead of time, because it it really ex- it adds up and it gets very expensive. Kathy probably has some ideas to share around graduation, <laughs> graduation expenses. <laughs> it's just always also, I would say, you know, one of the challenges that I found was that it's different experiences for each child. And so mm-hmm. you might think, oh, I didn't plan for that expense, but the next child doesn't interested in that expense, right? But there's right. something different. You'll see it even more when people start to go off as young adults and exploring different aspects of their, you know, career growth and things that different people have different needs. And if it was as easy as figuring out, you know, over the holidays, you're going to spend X amount on each for toys. That was actually really, really easy now that I look back (laughs) on it. Uh, It's a lot harder to figure out what's equitable as they move out of the household. But you're doing a great job and being thoughtful about it and being flexible about it as life comes along, I think are some of those key attributes that make us resilient and, you know, allow us to say, yes, we can do this or, wow, mm-hmm. no, I think we need to find a different way to do this because that's actually more than what we can do right now, which yeah. is also painful and hard to say to your people you love, but occasionally you do have to do that. So I love that. I really like that. And you see this, these are some of the things I miss in my day to day when we work together. There is always one person who's like, you're doing okay. Things are good. Like things like that. The type of support that we've always had for each other um, is just always been wonderful. Which I really think a shout out to Illinois Extension while, you know, we've all mm-hmm. had some challenges in and out, you know, there's some wonderful people that work in Extension and have worked in Extension. So yes. So here's the thing. So I'm sitting here and reflecting with my mixed emotions, not going to cry, but a few things that you've already talked about. So experiences, um, there was a wonderful podcast that Kathy and I did about gifting. We did around the holidays. And actually what's really funny about this is that the research shows that most people enjoy experiences more unless they are materialistic and that's okay. You could be materialistic if you want to be, but those people who are materialistic don't enjoy experiences as much as they enjoy things. So just as a side note, and I only recently read that research because we at eMoney, we do internal continuing education for our employees because we practice what we preach at eMoney, but it was really fascinating to read that. I was like, what? I was like, okay, so this makes way more sense that like why my mother never loved, you know, like my experiential gifts. So, you know, it all like made sense in the long term. Kathy, you brought up that you enjoy security. 
And that was our money personalities podcast that we did. I'm just like shouting out all the podcasts that we've ever done. So sorry, guys. I'm great um, with that. Yeah. Um, you know, that one was fun because we got to talk about all the different money personality quizzes that, that are out there that can help you not only as a consumer, but as a professional. Of course, we talked about mindfulness a few times, but, and, you know, we've talked about emotions probably in many different terms, but we've never talked about like feeling emotions and making sure that we sit in them. And I know that we are financial people, you know, we've, we've talked about them in many different ways and mental health and even with the powers of attorney and things like that. So just wanted to shout those out. All right. So we have talked and thought about a whole bunch of things related to endings. And I think one of the things that Seisha mentioned actually is reflecting back on the positives and the things that meant most to us over time. And so let's take a minute or two here to talk about just podcasting, because this was a new experiment for all of us when we started. It was something none of us had, I don't believe it, had ever tried to do very much. And so what were the benefits of us doing the podcasting above and beyond that we produced it. I'm great to kick us off here. It was such a wonderfully new experience. I remember even just preparing and be like, okay, how is my voice going to sound? I know people don't like to hear their voices record. I don't want to hear myself. And so that was like a whole thing going on in my head. So just like the internal process. But to me, one of the greatest benefits of doing the podcast was the way how we could take different financial education topics and simplify it through sharing research, sharing our experiences, sharing ideas with one another in a different format. You know, people get this information in so many different ways, whether it is you're listening on NPR and there's a news story around money management or you're taking a class or doing something else online. But with like the podcast, the way we were able to simplify valuable, important information so that our listeners could understand through examples, could understand through research. That was always one of the most valued way that I thought that we could contribute in addition to everything else that we do or we did because our jobs, you know, we had a lot of things on our list every week that we did. And this is one that I really value how we were able to provide information through the podcast. I'll go next. So to me, it was a couple things. The first one was I was able to actually sit down and have time to read research. So it made me feel like I was a better consumer of research articles. And then that ability to read the research articles and then digest it and give it back to our listeners in a more applicable way for them was really helpful for me. And just giving that application to others, I think made me a better educator in general. So that's something I'm very thankful for. The other one is just deep diving into a passion, even if it was short-lived or small, that was always like my favorite. So when you hear later, like what my favorite podcasts were, you'll hear why. And those are the, the two things I think I was most thankful for. Well, I agree with both of you, but I won't just repeat that. One thing I wanted to add in was, you know, I was looking at things as we were sort of knowing that we were coming to our last podcast and wondering, you know, would anybody still be listening to our old podcasts or how are they going to be useful if they were still posted? And I realized how incorporated the podcast is into all our different financial education trainings that new educators are now working with. So it's not like financial education educators 
educators are gone in Illinois. I don't want anybody to walk away with that idea. We have two wonderful new educators, but you know, the podcasts are in our new website. They're in our Let's Talk Money trainings. It's a webinar series that we've been doing for several years and we'll be continuing. It's in our Money Mentors training. And we've gotten so much positive feedback from people who've attended these different programs that they felt that the podcast really added a different dimension to the curriculum instruction. And I think that's kind of what Kamaya was saying too, is podcasts serve as a podcast that people might subscribe to and listen, but they really complement other work that you're out maybe doing as an educator out there. Or if you're listening as a financial planner that you can share with a client. So after you've had your piece and you've said your thing, then, you know, this is another way to listen to three people talk about a topic and give different perspectives because as we often joke, we often didn't agree with each other on no. the podcast. <laughs> no. And so we respected each other's perspectives and viewpoints, but that didn't mean we agreed. So that was okay. It gave people a chance to hear that there can be different ways of looking at these financial challenges. Anybody want to add anything else about this? I think as we're reflecting on the ending, I would say that we had some wonderful chemistry and I always just love feuding with you, Kathy. It was my favorite. So... <laughs> know if I realized how much we were feuding. But yes, okay. I'm used to arguing with everybody. So <laughs> it's said with love. No, that is said with yes, love. But yes. I have I have missed the feuds with Kathy Sweetler. So we have other questions, right, Kathy? Yeah, so I thought it'd be fun just to kind of, we do have four and a half years of almost monthly podcasts up there. So somebody better at math can tell you how many that is. But a lot. What's a lot? <laughs> That's what I <laughs> You know, what were your favorite ones to do? And, you know, what comes to mind when you think about them? And I, I found this one actually really kind of hard. And I just bailed, actually, and looked back a little bit. <laughs> but I, first thing that came to mind was the ones we did around kids and money and raising savvy young children into adults. I just thought those were always really fun. Because again, we came with really different perspectives from our own life experiences and yeah, looking at the research, trying to apply that to help other young families out there. So I guess as a group, I would say those podcasts that related to raising money as savvy kids. That was at the top of my list too. The ones that, because we did a few on kids and money. That That's one that was on top of my list, but I had four. So I listed out four. <laughs> and Stacia might agree with this one. Another one was one of our first ones that we recorded about to show or not to show oh, um, yes. your credit report, credit information with a partner, with a spouse. That was a lot of great laughs. And, you know, that was our first like dig into the research podcast topic that we focus on. I've also enjoyed the ones where we focus on like women and money and looking at some of the barriers that women currently face as they're trying to build their financial future and look at a lot of the positives and what the research is around that topic. So like you, Kathy, long list. So I had to make sure that I listed my top four because I know we would have some overlap here. Okay. I couldn't pick just one. I think we all knew that was coming. But number one, which is probably the least played, so please go listen to it, is called What Pet Should I Get? And that's where Kamaya and I decided that we wanted to explore the lifetime costs of owning a pet, pet insurance. We looked at the pet costs, the psychological and economic valuation of owning a pet. And then we even talked a little bit about service animals. I think we talked about there were peacocks on a plane as service animals yes. at one point. Mm -hmm. So it's a really hysterical mm -hmm. podcast. If you haven't got to listen to it, not only is it informational, there's research and we're 
just really funny in that one. So that one's probably my absolute favorite. The second one I had to say was the one where Kathy hates to pay bills only because I think we had a really good time just like razzing on each other. All these podcasts have really good information in them, but these are probably just the ones I had the great memories of just working with the two of these wonderful ladies. And lastly, uh, I really like you check all my subscription boxes was where we looked at subscription boxes. What were they? How do they work? And we had some really good plays on that one. You know, and I remember in 2020 when COVID did hit, some of our podcasts, not that they had sadder themes, but we we kind of had some different themes. And so I don't know if I picked any from 2020 because I was looking at the list. I was like, oh, I don't know if I really loved that one. But they still had really great information. We talked about debt. We talked about kind of limiting, you know, the amount of items you should do on your to-do list, those kind of things, but still all really good ones. Always a good thing about podcasts is you can really respond to what's happening right now. So they may not have as much playability, you know, as the economy changes or things change in the world. But I think it gives you an opportunity to respond to some of the things that people are really worrying about at the moment. Some other forms of education, like putting together a webinar series, for example, it's much harder to do timely education mm-hmm. with them, in my opinion. So thinking about all of these just brings to my mind Maybe this is also because actually I kind of left my career of, you know, 25 plus years. You know, as financial educators, what messages do we have for young adults starting their lives and or for older adults? Because you always hear, what would you tell yourself when you're 18? You know, if you could hear that. And I think that's important, but, you know, we don't stay 18 forever. And so I guess I'll kick this one off and let you guys do a little thinking. But for younger adults, I would say just believe you can do it, right? It, It will work out. Just you have the ability to do it and give yourself a little time and grace to achieve your financial goals. It's not all going to happen at once, but start and work towards it slowly and reaching your goals will escalate. It'll go faster as you go. So just believe in it. And then for older adults, maybe I'm a little harder on older adults being that's where I am. And that is don't tune out. You don't get to quit learning about finances just because you've reached a certain age. Managing your finances and retirement, which could be the last 30 years of your life, you know, it matters what you do. You can't just like let it ride. So I sort of a challenge to people out there that it's a life learning process and you don't get to quit learning. So that's kind of my rude little nag there for colleagues and other friends that might be my age. You kind of think you ought to know it after 25 years of working in the field, but this moving into retirement has a whole lot of different questions financially and whole different challenges out there. So you really got to keep on top of it. So that's my bit. What do you guys got? Great, Kathy, because that led just right into what I had on here about asking basic, simple financial questions. And this applies to both young adults and older adults or just adults where there are times when we have a thought in mind, either we're listening to a podcast, watching a webinar, talking with a financial educator or planner, and a thought might come into our head and we're like, let's push it aside. You know, I don't think I want to ask that question, but asking like even those basic, simple questions can help provide clarification for you. Just like Kathy says, like, you know, it's a continual lifelong process of learning more and figuring out what stages you are, what questions should you be asking. And I thought for younger adults, as I mentioned, that my my teen is getting ready to wrap up graduation and then go off to college. One of the questions that, you know, we've taught about too, with like starting like a new job, you know, a simple question is what's the minimum wage in the state that I'm going to? That's a simple question, right? You can find it online, but knowing that you can ask these questions. 
because these questions can help you think about what job you're going to be able to get and how that will translate into managing like your living expenses. The other one I had was for young adults to think about, you know, the life that they do envision for themselves and how the choices made now might affect those goals. Um, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and some of my older nieces, you know, part of their goal is to travel and do work that they're traveling with. And so some of the conversations have been around, so how much student debt will you have? You know, how will that affect these goals that you have for your future? So think about what you would like that life to be and um, explore the choices that you're making now. I think I'm going to pivot. For young adults, I think I'm thinking like a little bit older young adults. So I'm thinking like after, you know, college or maybe you're starting your first job is just making sure you get your match. If you're working for a company, make sure you get your match. So what you're saying is when you're looking at the benefits from a job. When you look at your benefits, yes, from your job. And they're talking about they might put some money into your account. Then if you put some money in, they'll match what you put in. Correct. So try to push yourself to get as much in there to get that match as possible. Yes, for your retirement account. Yep. Thank you, Kathy. I, I appreciate that. Always do. As for older adults, I really like both of your thoughts about, you know, don't tune out and keep learning and ask simple questions. I would say, you know, if you're looking for a professional, they're out there and there's probably one in your price point. So just keep asking for referrals, keep looking, keep interviewing. Um, you'll find the right person for you. You know, research shows that, what is it like, 70 to 80% of widows change financial advisors than like the first year after their spouse passes away. So sorry, I just bring that up because it's just a normal statistic. It's in my brain like 95% of the time now. But, you know, just make sure you find somebody that not only respects you, but also respects your spouse. So there was my two cents. That's excellent. I had not heard that statistic, but it doesn't surprise me. And I think because a lot of when you're working with somebody in financial planning, you need to find somebody that you communicate well with. It can be challenging to find somebody that communicates and meets the needs of two people. So I can see how that would be a big change, but a good thing to empower everybody to remember that you all have rights to be heard and to have your questions answered. So that also kind of leads me to think about like trends in financial education, financial planning, personal finance, whatever we want to say it. And certainly we're seeing trends in more people seeking financial expertise professionally to guide them. So I think that's always a good thing to reach out for that information one way or the other. But there's other trends out there, other things that are happening in our world that impact all of us. Um, some of them are just kind of interesting and we don't know which way they're going to go. And some of them are a little bit worrisome. You know, things may not be as stable as we'd all like them to be in our financial future. So anybody want to jump in on that one? Yes. What do you? Yeah. Okay. I'll start. So interesting trends uh, I've noticed, you know, we, the CFP board just released in the last year, the psychology of financial planning. It is a new knowledge topic for all personal financial planning students to now go through. So they have to know a little bit about themselves and about their clients, their values, their goals. They also have to know a little bit about counseling. They have to know a little bit about crisis events and kind of psychology in general. So that's kind of cool. It's been really fascinating from the financial planning side to see that. On that same note, like we've seen a lot more of holistic planning, which basically means financial planners are trying to do more services, more things for their clients, see them on a more regular basis, have that continuous conversation. So great things coming down the pipeline. Hopefully more financial planners are becoming more holistic in their, their firms. For personal finance trend that I think is more worrisome for me personally, just seeing it is the, the pay in for trend, those Klarna's, those afterpays. I've been seeing it even for like things like 
my Instacart, which is like I buy my groceries and people deliver them, that I can pay for my groceries in four payments which is, I think is a very scary option. I've seen it for a lot of things. So people can delay their payments up to, I think, like eight weeks. And then if it's an even higher payment, they can continue to keep pushing that out. So we're just basically delaying the payment even longer and longer and adding more interest to it. It's very scary. And it is a trend that I am very concerned about. And I do tell all of our employees all the time about the pay in for what it is, how it works, and to be on the lookout for it. So those are my interesting and worrisome. That is very interesting, the pay for four, especially for something that you know is going to be consumed before that fourth payment shows up. Yeah, I have one to add. I wouldn't say necessarily a trend, but something that is a little concerning and NPR did some and shared some information on this earlier this year in March as well, too. And the title of their segment was many Americans have exhausted their savings as credit card debt hits a record high. And this basically just focused on how for a lot of consumers, the trends that are happening right now, how people have exhausted their pandemic era savings. So with the stimulus money or even like increased job pays that people People did get during those times. And of course, um, you know, between 21, things were do- looking good in 2021. And then comes 2022 with like the high inflation rate and that affecting what people had in savings. So people had to move that money out of savings. And that, of course, affected like those high credit card debt that we're seeing for um, people right now. And it is really hard for a lot of folks. Like in this article, one of the persons who participated in there were talking about, you know, some big life changes that had happened to her with all three of her kids and how her current income does not really support like all the needs of her family. And so having to take on credit card debt. So people are facing real life situation challenges, transitions that have affected how they may use their savings and how they might use credit cards. So I would, you know, highly encourage for those listening to make use of those community resources that you do have to help with managing some of these financial aspects of your life to try to reduce like that level of credit card debt. But that's one that I've seen in um, some articles around that. Good things to be thinking about. And just to add into that, I think one of the worrisome things that I see is I do think we're getting much closer anyway to the date when student loan repayment will go back into effect. For anybody that hasn't been aware, it's been sort of on hold for federal student loans since during the pandemic. And that date of things starting up maybe as at least the countdown to when you have to make your first payment may be coming as soon as August 1st, or even possibly sooner, depending on the Supreme Court. And then typically when people graduate, they kind of know that the student loan payments are going to start within six months. And that's in their mind as they're putting together their budget, as they're choosing where they're going to live. But it's been so long since people have had to make some of these student loan payments that I'm concerned that many people may have kind of increased their spending to match their income, which is sort of a natural thing that we tend to do if we don't have an automatic savings or other system in place. And now these payments will be starting up. And I think also also, it's kind of a very scary thing for people. It, there's a lot of uncertainty, lack of information right now. So I just would encourage everyone to plan to become informed when things start up again. Do your best. Don't let yourself get too overwhelmed by what's sure to be some government snafus as we start working through the repayment process. Websites that may not work quite the way we want or you know, perhaps not as many people available to answer questions 
again, you can do it. Give yourself time. If it doesn't work out the first week, try again two weeks later, but find out what your options are and make a plan to get into the system again so that you can figure out what you need to do and how to make it work with your current income. So that's the worrisome one. I'm thinking this is going to affect a lot of people, a lot of households Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. different generations because parent plus loan repayments will also be going into effect. The other one that I think is just more interesting, and if we had some more podcasts to do, we could dig (laughs) into this, is that I've been participating in some community forums locally and listening to other people talk. And I believe there may be, this is my like, just throwing it out there for other researchers to look at, a real fundamental shift in a generation in terms of expectations on the workplace and what workplace hours and flexibility and how it feels, how it balances in other people's lives. And I'm hearing from a lot of people that there may be some, you know, challenges between people of different generations, supervisors and new employees in talking about what does work ethic mean? Is it how much you're producing? Is it the number of hours you're in your chair? Is it your availability off hours? I think it's already come up perhaps in what Kamaya was saying, if I heard correctly, you know, wanting to work remotely, wanting to work less hours, more flexibility. All those things are real things and needs that people have. And I I think we're going to be looking at a different way of approaching work. And so I think, you know, this is going to be a very interesting thing as it translates into finances for households and maybe managing different flows of income may come in not as an annual salary that's divided up monthly, but as different streams of income. So wow, from a financial educator, family economist, pretty exciting stuff as these changes happen. But I can also see a whole lot of potential for family financial feuds as these changes come and different people have different feelings about it and different experiences. So good luck with that one, everybody that's still working in the (laughs) field. Um, But I, I think that that to me is maybe the more interesting trend that we ought to be watching and anticipating as financial educators. I love that you shared that example, because this is one that I've been hearing, even in my new new role as well, too, where a lot of job descriptions, postings are including that in there about like these options for work from home or people are asking these questions in job interviews when mm-hmm. people are, because it has really changed for a lot of households and how they're going to be able to deliver productivity throughout their careers. And so this has been a question that people have had on their minds. And if you are on the job market, I would say this is one <laughs> that you pay attention to as well. And talk with like your potential employers about what this will mean for you, because it it will have like economic impact. It will, for sure. Remote work changes everything. And depending on where you live and remote work, you can live anywhere. And that's one of the great benefits. And you could live in a place where you have a great salary and live in a place that the cost of living is low. So, or and vice those, versa, you know, it's it's amazing. So, And those may be the things that we start seeing in the marketplace too, that if people know that they're hiring people remote, salaries could go down. I think that's something people haven't thought about so much. And maybe I, sh- you know, hate to be opening the Don't Pandora box. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you've been paying a certain amount to bring people to a location, 
education that mm-hmm. is expensive, you might not have to do that. And there's a transfer of expenses to households, things like, you know, internet, more space for an office, mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a lot of interesting pieces in this and a lot of challenges for people who are supervisors to rethink what does full-time work look like. So yeah, could be interesting as we move forward. But that is what is so exciting always about family financial education is that it's more so much more mm-hmm. than just adding up money for yes. your budget or paying always. down credit card debt. There's all these ins and outs that are different for different people. So exploring that in one way or another is always fun. And if we don't get to do it in the podcast, we'll just have to find other ways to do it. That's always been our approach to like that holistic way of looking at the individual, the family, the household in how we try to present this information. Because going back to even the, what Seisha shared too about, you know, financial planners having like that increased lens or attention to making sure that you are understanding that, you know, there are values around money, there are emotions mm-hmm. that affect money decisions. People are at different stages of their lives, there are different things that they're managing in their personal lives. People have responsibilities that are outside of like some of the traditional norms of responsibilities that we might think of or have health or other issues that do affect how they manage like their overall finances. So having like that approach to use those types of lens to try to understand people's perspective and also their experiences when they're working with us or when they attend like our programs or webinars, when they are listening to our podcasts or even showing up in our offices to have that approach It's just beneficial and it helps increase our capacity to really serve the communities that we want to serve and the people that we want to serve. Yeah. The amount of research and work that I've done in the last couple of years has just opened my eyeballs a lot. Mm -hmm. Not that we didn't do it in extension, we did, but you know, this new lens of just Mm -hmm. focusing on financial planning is, it's been different, but it's been fun. That's the fun thing about education, right? Is that there's always a different perspective. There's always a different way to look at it. Things do change. They're not stuck in something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do want to reassure all our listeners that Illinois Extension is not walking away from this topic. We're just shifting no. modes on how it's being presented. If you're looking for extension resources in Illinois, part of our extension website is devoted to personal finances. You can Google that or we'll put it in the show notes so that you can find it. But we've got lots of information up there, resources, including our podcasts that we've done, um, organized by different topics that might be interesting to you. So if you're interested in mindfulness, we have a whole section on that, mindfulness and money. If you're interested in paying down debt, again, we've got resources specifically related to that. The other thing is that we're going to be rejuvenating our personal finance blog, which has been in existence for a really long time, Plan Well, Mm. Retire Well blog. And so our new educators are going to be blogging on that regularly. And I'll be chiming in once in a while. And we'll be pulling back some of our oldies, but goodies as well and reposting those. So trying to keep it timely, trying to keep it active. So look there for information too. So we've got things there that are going to be keeping us moving forward in Illinois Extension in personal finance. So as hard as it is to wrap up one project that we've all loved and had great success with, I think it's also good to look forward to the things that are becoming in each of our professional lives in terms of exploring new topics and new understandings. So I'm very excited to see the work that Seisha and Kamaya will be doing in their new roles. 
Yes, and continue doing it. Yes. yes. Can be. Thank you, Kathy. Well, I mean, I'm just excited to be on today and thank you for bringing us back together mm-hmm. one last time so we can have some mixed emotions, but also feel very good about the work that we did over the last four and a half years together. So. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Ditto to what Sasha said. I even think too career wise for me, like the relationship and bond that I've had with the two of you as I've grown up professionally with you over the last five years have been so tremendous for me, you know, increase in my knowledge of extension, increase in my knowledge of the work that we do, the communities that we serve, the connections that we have across this country through Kathy and Sasha with, you know, conference and conference presentation and getting to meet people with different job titles, but doing some of similar work to what we're doing. All of that has helped me so much career-wise, and I'm forever grateful for those connections, for the topics that we've covered, the things that have mattered to us and we know matter to other people as well. So it's been it's been everything, to quote my Gen Z kiddos. It, it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I just have to say, you know, I know Kamaya and I, we've had five years, but it feels longer than that. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I've known Kathy for 10 years and it feels like a really long time. Not going to cry, but, you know, just very thankful for the time I've got to be with you both and help me grow and become the professional that I am and all the the good memories, the jokes, the teasing each other, but also the, the things I've got to learn from the both of you as well. So... And I've learned so much from both of you, you know, I think that's why the thing is, and I'm like, you know, don't stop learning just because you think you've matured because, (laughs) you know, by the time you're in your middle to late career, what you learned as an undergraduate in college has almost no meaning, okay? Because it's just like so far away, things have changed. And so to get to work with colleagues at different life stages and to learn new things because we're all interested in something different. And I think that's the beauty of collaborative work, right? Is we get to pull all those pieces together. And, you know, again, I think it's one of the real strengths of cooperative extension is that it really is based on collaborative work. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, the projects are better than they would have been if we had individually done things. So thank you for including me, sometimes kicking and screaming into a new media <laughs> form. Uh, but, you know, it has turned out to be a great journey and one that I'll always remember. So thank you to both of you. Thank you to our listeners. I yes. think this is a good place to wrap. Mm-hmm. We'll see you around Stop and talk to us if you see us. Tell us about our podcast. Tell us what's going on in your life financially or just what's happening and wish us well. We all wish you well. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.